When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 331, and today we are talking about books being released on October 5th, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am crazed. Just absolutely (laughs) crazed. It's so bananas here at my house. We have a wedding in our backyard tomorrow that we're trying to get ready for. Not mine. I already had mine. (laughs) And then my cat had to go to the emergency vet on Tuesday. And I thought it would be fine. I was like, I took him. And I was like, it's going to be fine. And they're like, this is very serious. And all these things need to happen. And so he's right here next to me because he has to stay sedated for the next few days. And so he's not really good at like walking (laughs) without falling over and stuff. Um, But he's going to be okay. He'll be okay. You know, we caught it in time. And Mm -hmm. so, but that's very stressful. And I'm laughing about it now, but I was not then. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) And they were probably like, oh, no, not this lady. She cries whenever she has to bring her cats to the vet. Because even when I just brought them for their checkups, because of the coronavirus, you weren't allowed to go in with them. So, like, they were apart Mm. from me in the building while I sat out in the car. And I was like, I miss them. (laughs) So they were like, oh, no, not this lady. (laughs) We were the other way around with one of my dogs, Lola. She she usually likes the vet because they give her treats, but... She's also pretty nervous, so when they tried to take her in without us, she just, it was not happening. Like, she would not allow it, and eventually they were like, can we just give her her shots in the parking lot with you here? And I was like, yeah, it works for me. Poor Lola. Yeah. Oh, nobody wants to get shots. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a good, he's a good guy, though. You know, he's, he's actually, I mean, he's usually, like, wild and destructive, so it's been, a, like, a kind of relaxed couple of days. <laughs> get to have some cuddles, yeah. get some cuddles. Oh, wait, and he hasn't stopped purring <laughs> since he came home, because he's so Aww. stoned, like, he, he, and he's not a purr, so <laughs> we just keep, like, going up to him and, like, putting our finger on his throat, because we're like, he's so purring! It's, it's so funny, but he's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. So what else do we have going on? We have... A position at Book Riot, a temporary full-time mm-hmm. editorial operations associate position that is opening up starting uh, in mid-November of this year. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about it in case you're like, hey, that sounds cool. I want to do that. Um, it is the editorial operations associate. And like I said, it's temporary and full-time. And anyone in the United States or Canada can apply. You can be in one of the locations. Uh, For Book Riot, you could be in Portland, Oregon, or Vancouver, B.C., or there are work-from-home jurisdictions in Illinois, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Uh, You must reside at one of these work-from-home jurisdictions uh, by the start date if you are offered the position. 
and there's benefits and all kinds of great stuff. They're accepting applications through October 11th. So you can go to bookriot.com and learn more about it. And I will drop a link to this in the show notes if you are interested. And it is temporary, but I mean, Danica took a temporary position filling in and it turned into something else. I mean, she didn't, you know, you didn't take someone's job, but (laughs) that would be sad. (laughs) That's my dark secret. (laughs) But like you got to, you know, stay on and do other things, which was exciting. Yeah. I mean, you were already there, but like full time. So. You know, who knows what'll happen. <laughs> it's a great place to work. I highly recommend it. I love it. Yeah. So I definitely recommend applying. Awesome. So what else do we have? Okay. We had exciting job news. Cat news, not so exciting, but he's fine. Dog news, a little bit. Poor Lola. <laughs> uh, to recap, my brain is so out of it this week. You know, between this and like the wedding and everything. <laughs> but you know what's always easy to talk about, especially for you, is books. It is. <laughs> so many books today. It is. So my husband and I started watching Jeopardy every night uh, a few months ago um, because we got cable. And he's always like, you haven't missed a book question. I'm like, stop, stop jinxing me. I'm going to miss one. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, every single book question. I was like, that's my job. He's like, no, this isn't, this mm-hmm. isn't right. I'm like, okay, but... <laughs> So now, now I'm going to miss one, and he's probably going to like make me wear a t-shirt that said, I got a book question wrong on Jeopardy or something, because it's too much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> me and my partner met working at a... We were both working at the same bookstore, so we're both book people, and we watched Jeopardy, and we're just silent for like 90% of it. Then you just get to the, yep. the one like book column, which is like, usually run it. Sometimes we miss it, but together we can usually get... Yeah. Almost all of them. It's especially when none of the people there get it and you get yes. it. Oh, that's a good so feeling. So exciting. <laughs> right now, I just get excited when I get something that Matt Amodio doesn't get because he's the current champion who's been on for like 31 straight games now and oh, he wow. just passed the million dollar mark. And it's just like, wow, that's wild. <laughs> so we are, we're going to talk about books now. Um, I, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do that, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, I have to tell you, I think that I have read more of today's books than any other new release day this year. Uh, and I think so, there were so many that I wanted to pick today. I kept changing them around, changing them around, changing them around. And I think it ended up that all of the books that I've, I'm talking about today, I read like over a year ago. That's how excited I am about them. I've been like waiting and waiting and waiting to tell you about them. 
And uh, that time is now. I'm so excited. So excited. Uh, and so I'm going to start off with one that, like, basically ruined my life. It's so good. I just couldn't stand it. It's Reprieve by James Hahn Matson. His editor, I was talking with her, and she said, I have this book coming out. We were talking last year. She's like, I have this book coming out. I'm going to send you the manuscript. She sent it to me. I read it. And I said, okay, I finished it. And she said, what do you think? And I said, this book effed me up, but not in those words. And she said to me, those were the exact words that Kiese Lehman said when he read it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I said the same thing as Kiese Lehman. I was very excited. But it's so amazing and messed up. It's, oh, it's a social horror novel set in 1997. It takes place in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it centers around, just, I'm just getting like chills, like saying these words out loud. It centers around a full contact haunted house escape room. Which just makes me break out in a sweat just thinking about it. It's like this like haunted house, except it's also an escape room. And you go through these different rooms of this house. And it's full contact. Like, people attack you in, like, costumes. And, like, you can fight back. And, and it's so scary. Right? And so you win. You have to get through all... I think there are four different rooms. You have to get through all four rooms uh, without shouting the safe word, which is reprieve. And if you do that, you win a ton of money. You and your team. But it is so scary that only one other team has ever completed it. And it's been open for, like, years. And people are like, oh, I can do that. I'm going to get all that money. Nobody can do it. They get to, like, one room or two rooms and someone always yells the word because it's that scary. And I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. But, like, it's not as popular as it used to be. They've kind of fallen on hard times. It's only open for so many months a year. And... You know, now, though, there has been a brutal killing in the house during a playing of the game. And the story is told from the point of view of some of the people in the house when it happened. It goes back and in time and goes over some things with them. Um, there's Kendra Brown. She's a young black woman. Her father has just died and her mother uh, decides to move them to Lincoln to live with her aunt and cousin, Kendra's aunt and cousin. And she hears about this house, and she's all excited about it. Like, she's like, I think she's 15, and she has a boy at home that she had a crush on, and he tells her about this house, and, like, they talk about it. And she ends up getting a job there, but but her mother and her aunt are like, do not, do not go there. And not only does she go there, she gets a job there and, like, hides it from them. And so she's, like, working mostly in the parking lot, like, helping people park and, like, talk. And, like, there's all these older kids, and, like, all of a sudden, like, she feels cool. She's hanging out. Um, there's also a guy, Leonard Granton, he's uh, the manager of a hotel, I believe, or he's at the the lobby, and he hasn't had a very exciting life, and he really wants to be somebody. He really wants more out of life, and he gets swept up in some local excitement. And then there's J.D., who is a gay international college student who moved to Nebraska to go to school, but also to follow the unrequited love of his life a man who was in his country teaching him English years before. And we're looking back over the events leading up to this murder in the building. There's misunderstandings and dreams and obsessions that drive them. And it's a it's a frightening discussion of racism and prejudices, entitlement, youth, love. There are more than one, there's more than one villain in this book. Um, it's brilliant and it is scary AF. I just, oh my goodness, when you get to the end and, like, find out, like, what exactly happened in this house, I was just like, 
<laughs> I loved it so much. And also, I was like, this book has ruined my life. I, I love it. I hate haunted houses, first of all. So if I'm going to be scared by anything, it's definitely haunted houses. I think I was like 10 or 11. My friends, my older friends convinced me to go with them to a haunted house, which was like in this crumbling house in Maine, because there are a lot of crumbling houses in Maine. And like they did it up for Halloween and I didn't want to go, but I went with them. And then I said I would stand outside and instead they like picked me up and brought me inside the house. And so as soon as they sat me down, like I bolted back out the front because I did, I do not like haunted houses. And it had just been raining and I slipped and I like slid down this driveway in the mud and like the whole side of me was covered in mud and I was crying and like this man in like jeans and a flannel shirt and like this melted scary mask saw it happen and he came over and like was like, are you okay? And I was like, is this some kind of haunted house trick? I'm going to go with this guy. He took me to where the staff like clean up and stuff. And then plot twist, he was my bus driver. Like after all that, he took the mask off. I just, I always think about that when I think about haunted houses. Thank you for, for allowing me to share that story with you because I don't think I've ever liked haunted houses ever since then. But this book, I love this book. I do want to give content warnings for this book. I read it so long ago and it was in that notebook that I lost. So please do some more research on your own if you have concerns. But there's definitely terror, racism, murder, gore, and violence. So check for that. It is Reprieve by James Hahn Matson. I definitely grimaced hard just hearing full contact <gasps> haunted house escape room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds miserable. I was definitely the kid I can remember just having like a fist like grabbing onto the shirt of like my mom in front of me as a kid yeah. in the haunted house no, thank and just you. closing my eyes. Yeah. yeah, I for some reason I know it's not real, but I don't like it. And it's weird because I love being scared. I love scary books. Mm -hmm. I started reading the new Simone St. James the other day in the middle of the night because I had finished my book. Mm. And I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to read a murdery thriller. But it turns out to be a supernatural murdery thriller. And I was like, oh, mm. this is scaring me. And I was thrilled. But like, if it was <laughs> like, a, if you took me to a haunted house, I'd be like, no. <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I didn't like being scared at all about anything when I was a kid. So it was consistent for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me talk about my first pick, which is The Falling Girls by Haley Krischer. And a while back, there used to be a lot of stories about obsessive female friendships. So stories like Heavenly Creatures or Single White Female and even Carmilla back in the 1800s fits into this trope. But part of the appeal of these stories at the time was the specter of lesbianism. And as that fear became less culturally relevant or acceptable, those kind of stories seemed to die out. And believe me, I'm glad that the monstrous lesbian is no longer a popular horror movie trope or movie trope in general. But I do think there's something really interesting about these stories, because especially in adolescence, friendships between girls can be all-consuming, the most important relationship in your life, the kind of people who shape your entire personality. And The Falling Girls explores those relationships, the dangers and the appeal of them, without falling into old homophobic tropes. So Shade and Jadis have been inseparable since middle school. They spend almost every night together, sleeping in each other's arms. They share a toothbrush. They give each other stick-and-poke tattoos. They're one person with different hair, as they say. 
Their parents haven't always been reliable, so they are committed to each other. There isn't a romantic or sexual component to their intense relationship, though. Shade is straight, and Jadis is a lesbian who has a girlfriend through most of the book. Shade loves her relationship with Jadis, but she's also a bit resentful. Jadis is effortlessly cool, floating between the jocks and the punk crowd with ease, and Shade is in her shadow, if you will pardon the pun. What Jadis doesn't know is that Shade longs to be a cheerleader. It's not the social status, it's the idea of being one of the flyers flung high into the air. She is enthralled. When Shade auditions for the team without telling Jadis, her best friend is confused, betrayed, and judgmental, especially when Shade begins hanging out with the Chloes, the three top cheerleaders who run the school. This isn't just a story about intense friendships, though, because the prologue has one of the girls drop dead at a dance, and we don't know which one yet or why. The rest of the book builds up to this moment, then deals with the aftermath. It's a bit of a mystery, but it's much more about the relationships that take place between the girls. As Shade finds herself falling out of a codependent relationship with an undercurrent of jealousy, she realizes that the same thing is happening with the Chloes. They're intensely close, but Chloe O can also turn on Chloe S and be deliberately cruel, leaving the third of their group constantly caught between them. And Shade's entrance into their circle turns up the intensity of this dynamic. This has similar vibes to something like Pretty Little Liars. It's dramatic and intense with lives at stake, but it's also about high school politics and connections. While the cheerleading team is enmeshed in this drama, it isn't a depiction of the sport as shallow. It shows how demanding, enthralling, and dangerous cheerleading is. Shade trains endlessly, pushing her body to the limits, and the flyers especially are at risk for concussions, broken bones, and even death if they mess up or aren't caught correctly. Even while they rub each other the wrong way, though, the team is deeply bonded, and it's a focal point in their lives. I really enjoyed this deep dive into codependent friendships and their fallout. It's dramatic, but it's also sympathetic to the characters involved. And that's The Falling Girls by Haley Krischer. All right. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this next book. I'm excited about everything. I know, I know. But <laughs> I've been waiting so long to talk about it. And I don't, not to belittle it, but I pretty much thought it was like the best fantasy book I had read in the last year until I read the new T. Kingfisher, which comes out next year. I'm sorry. But this year, this is the best fantasy book that I've read this year, I think. It is a YA fantasy called Little Faves by Margaret Owen. And it's so awesome. There is a lot going on in this book. So hold on to your butts, because I'm going to try and explain it to you, but there's a lot. Uh, This is a somewhat sort of retelling of The Goose Girl, which is that fairy tale about a princess whose maid steals her life and impersonates her, and then the princess has to be the maid. I haven't actually read it. I think that's how the story goes. But of course, because, you know, the princess can do no wrong, and maids are just terrible people, and the maid gets hers in the end. Spoiler for this several hundred year old fairy tale. So this is kind of a retelling of that story, which is like so dark and violent and classist. But this is a much more fun interpretation of that story. It's about a young woman named Vanya. Vanya was a baby when her mother left her in the forest. And she was taken in by fortune and death. Like literally the actual embodiment of fortune and death. But when she was a teenager, they had to let her make her own way. 
And they, you know, it was like up to her for reasons. Uh, and she decides she's going to go out on her own and she becomes a maid for this princess. And of course, the princess is a jerk and she's horrible to her and makes her sleep in squalor. And so Vanya steals the princess's enchanted pearl necklace. And now Vanya is the princess or appears as the princess. And the princess, like, nobody will listen to her. because She's like, I'm the princess. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever. So now the princess has to, you know, go about sort of living Vanya's life. And and also people are like, there's that weird woman who's always yelling that she's the princess. And I'm like, same girl. Um, but, okay, all right, so you with me there? All right, so now when the book opens, Vanya, as the princess, is getting ready to pull off a big heist because she's a jewel thief, which is awesome. Uh, she's been robbing the nobility for months, pulling off these big capers, and then she fences the jewelry so that she can get uh, enough money to eventually leave the land and get away from her godmother's fortune and death uh, forever. She, like, wants to get far, far away because nobody wants to owe them any favors. So the fact is that Vanya can switch identities back and forth by removing the magic pearl necklace, and that really comes in handy because she can pull off a crime and then change into somebody else, and they'll be like, where was that woman that I thought I saw? Like, she's not here, you know, and it keeps her from getting caught. But then, all more stuff going on. She accidentally steals... A magical ring that has powers specific to the owners that it belongs to. And she attracts the attention of the skull-headed low god who puts a curse on Vanya. And that curse is an actual ruby growing on her cheek. And she tells her that she has two weeks to get the ring back or her entire body will turn into one solid ruby. And, like, as Vanya's trying to, like, work this out and look for this ring, you know, the rubies start to grow in other places. And as if that wasn't enough, while this is happening, the real princess's absolutely terrible, just awful fiancé returns to the castle and says, I just, I've decided that we're going to get married right now. Like, I'm, I'm moving the wedding date up. And she's like, oh, I can't do this right now. And also, a hunter who is looking for the jewel thief arrives at the castle. So she has to, like, avoid the hunter, stay away from her almost husband so he doesn't catch on. Meanwhile, like, she's growing more and more rubies on her skin, which sounds really cool. I'm not going to lie. I would not be sad if that happens. Maybe, like, if you turn into an entire ruby and you can't move your body. But, like, if it was just, like, some decorations... I'd be like, bedazzle me. That would be pretty awesome. Um, So she has to figure out how to get the rings back and to give back what she's taken and also get enough money to get away from her godmothers. And but now everybody's watching her. You know, how will she ever be able to pull this off? It's so full of stuff, as I've mentioned. There's so much going on. I loved it. I loved like it's a story based on a fairy tale, but it's like so original and it's fun and it's kind of flirty more like with the hunter guy than with her not, not fiance. And it was just so much fun. I love a heist book. I wish, like, people always ask for heist recommendations. And it just feels like we can't get enough of them. Um, I do want to give content warnings for mentions of child abuse, attempted assault, trauma, and death. It is Little Thieves by Margaret Owen. That plot synopsis, or just the very beginning of the plot, took so many turns I wasn't expecting. Yeah! Yeah! I thought I understood the premise, and then you were like, and then! Yeah. <laughs> it keeps going. I can't even describe it. I just love it so much. And, like, I am a July baby, so maybe I will grow rubies someday. I don't know. 
Dare to dream. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My next pick is The One You Want to Marry and Other Identities I've Had by Sophia Santos. And I first have to admit that I almost stopped reading this in the first chapter just because of the secondhand embarrassment factor. But the same impulse that almost made me put down this book for good also kept me completely enthralled throughout, unable to look away. So this is Santos's memoir about being a self-proclaimed late bloomer. Not physically, but in the sense that she, for example, fully believed in Santa and fiercely defended his existence until she was told at 13. And most importantly, she didn't come out until her 20s, despite having some pretty big clues early on that she was a lesbian. When she told her father that she was dating a woman, he said, you always had good female relationships uh, and strong female friendships. So this book is divided up into those intense female friendships in her early life, starting with her preschool best friend that she would whisper to all nap time and wail when separated from. It's written in a casual, intensely readable style that reminds me of reading someone's diary, complete with an uncensored look at every aspect of their life. In fact, I felt a little voyeuristic at times, like this person probably shouldn't be telling me these things, especially not in so much detail. Santos does not shy away from sharing everything from her starting a strip limbo game at a childhood sleepover to her early 20s denial of being a lesbian, even in the most compromising situations. It's been a while since I've read a coming out memoir as opposed to a more general memoir with a queer author. But this is equally a coming-of-age narrative, but those are intertwined. It's a story about running from yourself, chasing mirages of who you are, and what happens when you're finally forced to stand still and face yourself. Santos's coming-of-age is centered around running away from her lesbianism, beginning with ignorance that later became denial, and then finding her identity as an out lesbian. She grew up in the 90s, as I did, and this provides some nostalgia and also embarrassment looking back at that time period. It seems to be aimed at young queer people who presumably need things like same-sex marriage being illegal explained. She was an army brat moving a lot and reinventing herself, always finding new intense female friendships, of course. She discusses her confusion about her racial identity coming from a mixed-race background and being told by her white mother that she was white and her Filipino-Spanish father that she was brown. She also struggled with undiagnosed, untreated OCD and anxiety. We follow her through many of her reinventions, from a kid who dressed like a backstreet boy and kissed her best friend as often as possible, just for fun, to a pageant hopeful, to a sorority sister looking for her MRS, to an in-denial lesbian who paused mid-makeout with another woman to say, I'm not gay, to finally the host of a show called The Lesbian Agenda. I expected that once the book was through the awkward adolescent stage, we were out of the woods in terms of intense secondhand cringiness, but I was wrong. <laughs> She's a mess, even or especially in adulthood, especially when her untreated OCD and anxiety collide with PTSD. I appreciate her honesty, particularly when it comes to mental health as well as coming out. It's a messy process, and this book embraces that. 
I hope that young readers who feel like they're doing it wrong, who are embarrassed about how long it took them to come out, or who are struggling to get stability in their adult identities find this book. It reassures readers that even when the road is bumpy getting there, you can still find happiness and fulfillment, including a partner who will go to great lengths to assuage your obsessive fears. I will not spoil that moment near the end of the book, but it is well worth reading just for that hashtag relationship goals moment. So if you can relate to being a late bloomer, or if you just want to be a voyeur into someone's life, check this one out. And that's The One You Want to Marry and Other Identities I've Had by Sophia Santos. Okay. I'm going to go back to scary books because it's, you know, October now and there are lots of them coming out. And my next pick is Cackle by Rachel Harrison. If you've been following Book Riot or listening to the show for a while now, you know that I lost my freaking mind over Rachel Harrison's first book, The Return which was a creepy, super scary thing set partly in Maine, like a lot of things, because Maine is a scary place. Um, And I just, I loved it so, so, so much. And so I could not wait to get my hands on this one. This time, Rachel Harrison is revisiting friendships and relationships, but with witches. First of all, like I just want to point out before I keep going that the cover is just fantastic. Anyway, so... This is about a young woman named Annie. Annie is a teacher in Manhattan. She is having, like, the best time because she has what she thinks is her forever relationship with her boyfriend, Sam. And she has a job and life is good. And then Sam, her boyfriend of 10 years, unceremoniously dumps her. It's just like, no, I don't think we're, like, love material. We're just, like, friend material, so you're going to have to move out. And she's so upset that she doesn't know what to do. So she accepts a new teaching position in a very, 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 very small town in Vermont. She thinks like, oh, well, this will help me, you know, get away and get over Sam. Uh, and it, But even though the village is adorable and all of the people are like super friendly, it's like stars hollow, uh, she's miserable at first. And her apartment is full of spiders. She has no friends. And the students in her class, because she's teaching high school, They openly mock her and ignore her and are just horrible. And it makes her really sad and it makes her miss Sam and miss her old life. And she spends her free time, you know, texting Sam and like, because he's like, oh, we're friends, so we'll chat, you know. But she's trying to read, you know, hopeful subtext in his text messages. But then Annie meets Sophie. Sophie is literally the most beautiful, charming woman Annie has ever seen. And... Annie is so excited because Sophie wants to be her friend. She cannot believe someone this glamorous and fabulous wants to be her friend. And Sophie says, you know, she tells Annie, she says she wants her to stop moping about her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, and start recognizing her own potential, that she's a beautiful, strong, independent woman. And at first, their friendship is wonderful. Annie is really happy. They do all these things together. She's feeling more confident. She started standing up to her students. But... She goes to Sophia. Sophie lives in this unbelievable mansion in the middle of the woods, which is, like, very strange. But there it is. She has this enormous mansion. And the first time that Annie stays over, it scares the hell out of her. She's like, I don't want to sleep here anymore. Something weird is going on in your house. And then she realizes also that 
the people in the town all seem to be afraid of Sophie. She didn't notice it at first because, like, she just thought everyone loves Sophie. People give her free things and they're all like, oh, how are you? And all that stuff. But then she starts to, like, really see them. And she thinks, these people are afraid of this woman. And Sophie has become a bit more demanding of Annie's time. And she's become quite meddlesome in her life. And Annie is starting to also become afraid of her. Uh, and she worries that there might be dangerous repercussions if she lets Sophie down. But the heart of this book is a story of friendship and self-worth. I mean, Sophie wants Annie to recognize that she is a person worthy of love. But it's also about witches and the treatment of strong, independent women throughout history. But then it's also a scary ghost story and talks about unknown things that will freak you out. Let me just tell you that I have been afraid to open my basement door since I read this book. Like, in the two seconds that it takes me to open the door and turn the light on, just the presence of the darkness is... I just keep thinking of this book, and I'm like, <laughs> every time I have to turn on the light. Which is awesome, right? Like, I love that people can use their words to, to do things to you, make you feel things. Like, that's great. I mean, I'm not, like, really scared, but you know what I mean. It's It's so awesome. I just thought this book was wicked charming. Wicked is the main word, sorry. Wicked charming and creepy. And my favorite character is Ralph, but I'm not going to spoil Ralph for you. You're going to have to see who he is for yourself. I do want to give content warnings for infidelity, sexism, murder, and death. It is Cackle by Rachel Harrison. And now we are going to hear from our next sponsor. Okay, Danica, what do you have for us next? I am cheating a little bit because A Dream of a Woman, my next pick, actually came out in September, but no one talked about it, and I loved it, so I'm going to talk about it. It's A Dream of a Woman, stories by Casey Platt. Casey Platt is the kind of author I love and dread reading because she so skillfully can break your heart. Her stories are beautiful, bittersweet, and achingly honest about the little ways that we support and fail each other. My first experience reading Platt's work was in chapbook form. It's Lizzie and Annie, which I highly recommend if you can get your hands on it because it's accompanied by gorgeous watercolor illustrations. I loved it so much that I immediately bought her next book, A Safe Girl to Love, which I honestly feel like I'm still processing. Her stories generally, or always, have trans women main characters, and they all deal with the daily struggle of surviving in a world that constantly questions their existence and value. In A Safe Girl to Love, one of the characters described it as being like a light case of mono that never goes away. She says, I don't want to be brave. I just want us to be okay. A Dream of a Woman also centers trans women and deals with trans misogyny, but it also feels much more about relationships, family, friendship, and romantic ones than her previous collection. It begins with an absolute gut punch of a story, Hazel and Christopher, that left me staring at a wall for a while after reading the ending to try to emotionally process it, and I mean that in the best possible way. There is a similar melancholic tone to these stories as I got from her previous work, but there also feels like a little bit more hope in this one, leaving a bittersweet impression. There are moments of joy glittering throughout. I'm in awe of the way Plett paints these characters. They feel so real and multifaceted. They are deeply flawed but sympathetic. When a character makes a decision I disagree with when they hurt someone, I feel for both of them. 
they all feel like they could walk off the page and into your life. Maybe especially for me, because there are quite a few stories that take place in Canadian cities that aren't quite my home, but feel very familiar. One story, Absolution, continues throughout the collection. I guess it's actually a novella with the chapters interspersed with other stories. I thought this format worked really well, and I was always interested to return to this character, but each story slash chapter feels complete enough that I wasn't skipping or rushing through the stories in between. I highly recommend this collection for anyone who wants to feel tender about the world, but tender like a fresh bruise. I do want to give content warnings for rape, addiction, and transphobia, and that's A Dream of a Woman, stories by Casey Platt. And... It just got nominated for the Giller Prize long list, right? Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, yeah, I, there's been so many prize lists that came out all at once and getting them mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited because she used to work for a small press and mm. I did not put the names together for some reason until like right before she got done working there. And I was like, wait, wait, you're you're <laughs> that Casey Play. Ah! <laughs> Um, so I was excited when I saw the nomination the other day. It was really exciting. Yeah. And she deserves it. They're so yeah. good. Yeah. So my last pick today is a fun holiday romance called The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. This book was so delightful. It's such a great palate cleanser. It has the food competitions that are in so many of today's romances, which I cannot get enough of. It's about twins. Now, Charlie Goodwin, one of the sisters is a very talented chef, and she lives on the West Coast, and she is the co-host of a very popular cooking show. But things are not going very well on the show right now, and the producers have told her and her co-host that they are going to cancel the show, like, right after they film their holiday special. They're doing, like, a week of, of holiday baking, and then the show is getting canceled. And when they do that, they are going to have to decide between her and this super jerk of a co-host... Um, who's going to be the star of their new show. They're going to start a new baking show and only one of them is going to is going to be the host. So she only has like one week. They drop this on her. She has one week to show them what she has, like the best of what she has. And part of the problem is that her super jerk of a co-host, Austin, is willing to fight dirty to get the job for himself. Her second problem is that shortly after they tell her this, she slips and bangs her head and she has a concussion right before she's supposed to start taping the holiday special. And... She's lost her sense of taste and smell. How can she bake things and do things if she can't, you know, taste or smell what's going on right now? So her answer to this is to call her identical twin, Cass, who is an equally talented cook. She's also the owner of a small bakery in their hometown. And Cass is also having problems. She's just broken up with her long-term boyfriend. It's one of those things where she feels like it, they're more friends now, and she's not interested in continuing the relationship. And there's a new giant chain bakery trying to move in next door, and you've got her mail her out of business. So when Charlie suggests that they switch places, she's all in. And at first, it's super easy. The switch is very easy. It's a lot easier to make decisions and pass judgments when the results won't affect you personally, like when it's not your life that you're playing with, really. But as Charlie and Cass work their way through mishaps and triumphs pretending to be each other, they both find themselves in sticky situations. They're in love. Charlie falls for Cass's best friend, Jake, while Cass is swooning over the doctor that treated Charlie for when she first fell. But will coming clean about their trickery 
backfire in their face or will they be accepted and find love? And it's just, this book is a freaking delight. I loved the sisters. I loved that they were both like, oh yeah, I'll just leave my job and, you know, go be you for a while. Because that kind of sounds fun. I wish I could do that. There's nobody out there that looks like me. So I don't get to do that ever. I thought, you know, the ensuing confusion with like the twin swapping was really fun. And I like that, you know, because Cass doesn't have to uh, really do anything with Austin. Like she hasn't met him until she moves out there to take Charlie's place. And she's just like, she's taking no guff from him. And it's really awesome. Like she, she like tells him off and things happen. And it was just great. It was just so utterly charming and everything that I wanted it to be. I do want to give content warnings for toxic toxic masculinity and bodily injury. Um, it's so, so sweet. It's The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. I've really gotten into holiday romances lately. I, I'm a little worried. Like, we were watching Jeopardy the other night, and there was a an ad for, like, the Christmas movie channel. And I was like, I might watch that. I was like, oh! Who am I? What is happening to me? <laughs> like the Matzo Ball and now the Holiday Swap. And I'm like, Christmas romance movies. I'm really worried. I might have to cancel the cable. <laughs> I love, like, Netflix Christmas uh, romances are my favorite. I didn't even know they had them. Well, you know, like all of the, the Princess Switch or whatever, all of those. They're, yeah. I don't know what it is about particular how Netflix does it, but they always pull me in. No other time of year will I watch such cheesy romances, but in December, that's that's time for it. I'm going to do it. You got to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I also have a holiday romance, but this one is Halloween-themed instead of Christmas-themed. And it's Payback's a Witch by Lena Harper. So if you are looking for the book equivalent of watching Hocus Pocus or Halloween Town, but as a bisexual romance novel, this is the book for you. Emmy Harlow left her childhood home of Thistle Grove after a humiliating breakup. She was determined to make a new life for herself in Chicago, leaving behind her friends and family and cutting her waist-length hair to her chin. And she did reinvent herself. She is happy with her new life and her new job, even if she is a little bit lonely. Now, though, she is on her way back to Thistle Grove to visit because she has duties to fulfill as the scion of Host Harlow, because Thistle Grove isn't your average small town. It's magic with four families of witches that date back to the four founders. Gareth Blackmore is the scion of the Blackmore family, the most powerful one in Thistle Grove, as they are happy to tell you. Their family has run the town for generations, slowly squeezing out the other families. And he is also the one who broke Emmy's heart. Emmy has returned to town to be the arbiter of the spellcasting tournament, a competition between the families that the Blackmores have won every year. It gives the winner more power as well as leadership over the other families. This time will be different, though, because Emmy quickly realizes that she's not the only one Gareth has wronged. Her high school crush, Talia, and her best friend, Lyndon, have, since she left, also had relationships with him. And for each of them, he insisted on keeping their relationship a secret and then dumped them because they didn't live up to his standards of greatness. The three of them make a pact to get revenge on Gareth, and the competition might be the perfect opportunity to give him a taste of humiliation. 
I cannot overstate how much Halloween is packed into this book. Not only is it about witches, but the town itself doubles as a Halloween tourist trap with visitors blissfully unaware of the real magic that's going on just out of sight. Every restaurant or bar is decked out in decorations and has witchy cocktails mixed in with the fake stuff or real seances, spells, and more. It even got a little bit over the top for me sometimes, like being punched in the face with Halloween, but I know that's what a lot of people are looking for. While this is a fantasy novel, there's also a strong romance component. Emmy and Talia immediately have a lot of heat between them, and you know it's only a matter of time before they give into it. It's not insta-love because they knew each other a little bit in high school, but it's insta-attraction, insta-lust. The romance builds itself based on that. More than the romance, the revenge, and even the competition, though, this is about Emmy's struggle with where she belongs, where home is. When she left Thistle Grove, it meant leaving behind her magic, which was never very strong, but it was a part of her. Her cousin is eager to step into the role of Scion, waiting for Emmy to officially give up the title, but she's not sure. Returning has made her realize how much she missed the place, and how much she missed her family in Linden. There's an aspect of blood family is the most important, and there's nowhere like home that I don't love, but it is discussed some, it is explained. And she left town to run away from a bad relationship with a guy. Yes, she had balked at how Thistlegrove slots people into roles based on their family, but she never would have left if Gareth didn't taint the place for her. If a bisexual romance novel of Halloween Town appeals to you, definitely pick this one up. It's perfect for diving headfirst into Halloween, and it's a cute, fun read, just what you want from a holiday romance. The competition aspect also is so exciting and cinematic, I would love to see it on screen. This is the first in a series, and the next one follows another Thistle Grove inhabitant, and that is Payback's a Witch by Lena Harper. Punched in the face by Halloween, the Danica <laughs> Ellis story. I was like, that's going to be a selling point for people, though. Like, yeah. That's what a lot oh, of I was like, I want to be punched in the face by Halloween. Absolutely. That was my first thought. <laughs> exactly. I live in kind of like a Halloween-y town where, like, we have, like, the biggest Halloween parade in the country and oh, everyone wow. is Halloween mad. My friend was telling me this morning <laughs> because she got cats a couple of years ago. She had older cats that were, like, totally chill and she got these younger cats. And they are not chill at all. So she had to like stop putting up her, all her Halloween decorations. And she has 23 plastic tubs of Halloween decorations oh for her little tiny house. It's like, it's like her Christmas. So that's amazing. She's, we were like reminiscing about what she could not decorate her house with this morning <laughs> <laughs> because of the cats. But yeah, this is so it's like a little Halloween town here. It's pretty funny. That's fun. Um, so those are our new books. Do you think I said excited like a record number of times this episode? I think I think it might be possible. <laughs> <laughs> Will someone keep track? Go someone, through all yeah, the old needs episodes. To, <laughs> needs to start keeping track. So what are you going to read next? I have two books that are also out today that I didn't get to in time, but that I am so excited about reading. One of them is The Citadel of Whispers by Kazim Ali, and this is a new choose-your-own-adventure novel, which I am excited about because I always like choose-your-own-adventure, but it's usually just been the same 80s titles published over Mm -hmm. and over. And this is a new YA novel, and it's 
gender neutral. So there's nothing in the book that says what gender the main character has. And there's a lot of kind of questioning of gender norms in it as well. And it's a fantasy novel. And it's nice to see that they are doing something different with the franchise, which is fun. That's cool. And then the other one is Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much by Jen Winston, which just had me by the title. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, I have that somewhere, too. <laughs> wow. So it's an actual, so going back to that first one, it's an actual choose your own adventure mm-hmm. novel because like you can get it's in an official yeah. trouble for like saying that and not, no. they're very litigious. It is published by Choose <laughs> yeah, it's published by <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure, which is cool. Mm, cool. Yeah. Ooh, cool. And what are you reading? So, because she writes, like, 500 books a year now, apparently, I have the new, new T. Kingfisher, which is called (laughs) What Moves the Dead, and is a retelling of the fall of the House of Usher, and I need everyone to just stop what you're doing right now and go look at the cover reveal, because you've never seen anything like this, I promise you. Um, It is the most bananas cover. I was like, I wish that my back was not tattooed so I could get that whole thing as a back piece. (laughs) I want to do over. I want to start again. It's banana pants. Uh, So I'm pretty excited about that. And I've moved on to Dance of Death in the Agent Pendergrass series, which is like the second in the Diogenes trilogy. And now that I know what Diogenes is as part of the trilogy, I'm so excited. So that's where I am. It's like the sixth book, I think. I just love books. (laughs) <laughs> and the cover of What Moves the Dead. Oh my goodness. It's, it's incredible. Um, I hope Dan- I hope you're looking it up right now, Danica. I'm going to be very disappointed if you're not. I am. It's loading. Oh, that is creepy and, and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to say what it is because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But wow. <laughs> I love her. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I had a chance to see her in discussion with Brom, like a virtual event a few weeks ago for his book release. And he mostly just wanted to ask her questions because she has written so many books now, like T. Kingfisher and like adult books, romance books, books for middle grade Mm -hmm. kids. Like she illustrates some, she illustrates all the time. And I was like endlessly fascinated listening to her talk. I mean, she's just incredible. Um, and, and we still have, we have, um, Nettle and Bone, which I think I mentioned earlier was like the best fantasy novel that I've read, uh, which I can't wait for everyone to read. That comes out in April. And then this one, What Moves the Dead comes out in July. So much T. Kingfisher. Mm-hmm. It's just exciting. There, I said it again. I think we have a post going up that, or that just went up that's about the authors that have the most range and she is definitely on there. Ugh, love her. <laughs> so that is it for us today thank you to our sponsors thank you to our awesome audio editor jen zink who has so much work to do today that you don't even know about (laughs) Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to find us online danica hangs out on twitter at lesbray which is l-e-s-b-r-a-r-y i mostly hang out on instagram at franzen comes alive And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading.